0: opportunity to talk with Zach of American Authors over Zoom Video. Zach was born in Los Angeles, but raised between LA and Minneapolis. He talks about that and how he got into music. He was big into theater, choir, songwriting, was in bands very early. Sixth grade, I think was his first band. Didn't start doing singer-songwriter stuff until ninth grade, but always involved in music. He went to Berklee School of Music for Voice. That's where he met the rest of the guys in American Authors. He talks about their first band, the band that was prior to American Authors, same members, called the Blue Pages. Moving to New York, and that's where the band really got started. How they evolved their sound and wrote the song Believer, like on the spot. The success of that song, the massive success of Best Day of My Life. He breaks down the band's three records, Oh What a Life, What We Live For, Seasons, and even their EP and talks to us all about the brand new music coming out with American Authors and their brand new song, which is incredible. It's called Nice and Easy. It features Mark McGrath of Sugar Ray. The video is awesome, so definitely check that out as well. And check out the video interview with Zach on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringin' It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with American authors. This podcast is all about you and your journey in music, um, and I, we'll talk about obviously the new song. I love the video you guys did. Thanks, man. we nice and easy. It's hilarious.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was super fun.
0: Cool, cool. Um, I, so we we always take it all the way back to the beginning. If that's cool with you,
1: I want to know where you. were yeah, let's do it. Born and raised. Oh man, yes. So I was born in Los Angeles, California.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yes, sir. I was born in L.A. in Culver City, to be exact. Okay. And then my parents divorced when I was around two-ish. Okay. Uh, And my mom moved me to Minnesota to raise you.
0: You raised your. So you're. Raised in Minnesota, but you're born in Los Angeles. Okay.
1: Yeah, I pretty much I split my time because I would still have to go back to LA like five times a year to see my dad. Okay. So yeah, 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 between Los Angeles and uh, Minneapolis.
0: Wow, that's quite a different, uh, I'm sure, a little different culture shock between the two. I'm from Southern California, but I could imagine Minneapolis is a bit different.
1: Minneapolis is rad. Honestly, it's pretty cool. Uh, It gets really cold. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely, I kind of feel like, especially as I'm getting older, I'm definitely going to have a lot of those. I'm going to have tons of those stories of like, oh, when I was your age, I used to have to shovel four feet of snow every day before school at five in the morning and when it was negative 10 sure Um, you know (laughs) since then uh obviously it still snows and gets really cold there Mm -hmm. but global warming is real man because the winters are way more mild now when you look at like minnesota now it's like you'll have certain winters there where it doesn't even snow that much. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's look, it still gets really cold and they do have a good amount of snow, uh-huh. but there are certain years where it's like barely anything, which is wow. like unheard of, because seriously, like every winter when I was growing up, I'm not even exaggerating. I'd have to go out and shovel four feet worth of snow. You wake up in the morning, there would be four feet of snow is insane,
0: Wow. And so you'd have to shovel it all out just to probably get to school?
1: bro. you'd have to shovel it in multiple layers. Like, so you'd shovel because it would be too heavy just to go to the bottom and (laughs) move it. So you'd have to go like one layer at a time. And then uh, and it'd be like negative five degrees outside. It was insane. How do you even get out of your door? Just... Yeah, dude, you have to keep a shovel right next to your door. You like push out and then you like start. You have to wear like big boots and snow pants. Uh, oh my <laughs> gosh. I, I I never had
0: a rough it like that. I mean, like I said I I grew yeah. up in San Diego and it was like if it was yep. 40 degrees people
1: would freak out. <laughs> oh, dude, my whole family and my whole family in LA would make fun of me. They'd be like, "Dude, I don't so cold out there. You're shoveling snow. You sound like you're from the country. You got like a country accent. It sounds <laughs> weird." that's why now like when people talk to me they're like dude you don't have a minnesotan accent at all i'm like yeah i think like i had to get rid of it super young because my california family would make fun of it oh, but then when i um it's pretty cool because I'm, I'm i feel really fortunate because authors does pretty well in the twin cities <laughs> so <laughs> we get, oh we get to like tour through minneapolis like you know two to four times a year that's cool um So I'll get to see all my friends and we'll get to go out. And um, my band says that when I'm out with my hometown friends drinking, the Minnesotan accent comes out.
0: I was going to ask you, I was just going to ask you that. Does it come back when you're you're around family and friends? They
1: say it does. Okay. (laughs) We'll start doing the, uh, you know, we'll really start. Yeah, let me get a Bud Light over here and, uh, oh, we're going to go crazy tonight. We're going to have some drinks and we're just going to tear it up and have a real good time. (laughs) <laughs> maybe we'll take a boat out on the lake later and really just have a party <laughs>
0: dude, that's awesome <laughs> yeah um so well how did you get into music i did see that you guys started the band at berkeley so obviously yeah man grew uh, up yeah. in, in the music
1: dude, world yeah, I, yeah. My, both my parents were heavy music lovers my dad was a player he played guitar so he he actually built me my first guitar and he taught me how to play it which was cool wow and
0: what type of dude. electric guitar
1: it was an electric, like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, hybrid of all these different parts that he put together. And then, yeah, he painted it himself. And then we actually went out and uh, got a Megadeth poster. They had, you know, like that sick skeleton as their mm-hmm. mascot. And we laid the Megadeth poster over the top of the guitar. And then he like laminated it in. So. Really? Do you have it? Yeah, I do have it. I don't okay. think it's in this house.
0: But that's I'm um, glad that you still kept it. That's cool. I, yes,
1: I do have it. Um, I don't think it really plays, but it's dope looking.
0: Yeah. Have, have you it's ever good. had like I bet you you're one of the only
1: people that has a Megadeth guitar. It's yeah, maybe actually I should reach out to him. I you should. should. Him the Megadeth guitar. I have this cool old picture of me when I was like, um, I don't know, maybe like six or seven years old holding the Megadeth guitar. It's very cute.
0: That's cool. So, so so dad taught you how to play? Dad taught me how to play. That okay. was pretty
1: much it. Never took any lessons outside of my dad. And then, yeah, man, just started playing in bands in like seventh grade, like middle school time. And then once I got into high school, you know, kept doing the band thing, but then did a lot of theater, uh, musical theater, a lot of choir stuff. And it just kind of kept evolving and taking over my life. And I would, um, I would slowly pick up like musicals around Minneapolis and then playing in different bands at the same time so I would like pick up more of that and then I would start dropping classes in high school um, so it'd be like I was really into knowing what the bare minimum that I could take in high school was to graduate okay um, yeah so, you can so work like, on
0: your extracurriculars
1: uh, Yeah, Uh I wouldn't even work on extracurriculars I'd just be like cool let's just start weeding out classes so it was like okay <laughs> Well, you're cool. obviously
0: doing the theater so oh yeah i guess
1: that's extracurricular. So, yeah. i mean that kind
0: of extracurricular yeah
1: i was doing a lot of that so i would be doing like th- like two plays at two musicals at a time usually wow then i had two bands going and you know so that was a good amount of stuff to keep me busy yeah i guess that's it. and then i had like like a small group choir that would perform at like restaurants so that's extracurricular oh that's cool. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, tell me about the group choir. That's fascinating.
1: Choir was cool. I mean, I did the main choir in, in the high school. Mm-hmm. And then I excelled pretty quickly in that. So it was like I got into like the top school choir my sophomore year. And then from there, there was like a more, I don't know, I guess, elite small group choir, which that was extracurricular. So then I did that starting sophomore year as well and that was super fun man we would do like competitions and sing at restaurants and just kind of go around the community and Mm -hmm. do whatever i don't know when when did you
0: yeah when did you find out that you could i mean obviously you can sing extremely well uh when did you realize that that was a that was a thing that you you could do
1: like sixth grade okay maybe sixth grade i think that was when i started like yeah, like not as much. I kind of like gave up on playing guitar. Um, I would still play, but I stopped focusing on guitar and then started moving more into like, oh, like I can write songs with this. And that was when I did like singer songwriter vibe.
0: Okay, so you started writing songs that early on, yeah. sixth grade. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Really, yeah. So and would you play, like, did you go to coffee shops or anything where your mom or dad take you out to oh, yeah. do that? Yeah, stuff?
1: dude, I did a bunch of that. I did more of it starting in ninth grade. Okay. Like coffee shops and stuff. Seventh, eighth grade, I did like talent shows and like things like that, which was cool though, because we were still like, you know, entering it with a punk band. Like we were pretty punk at the time. Okay. We were like covering Lagwagon, which I really, <laughs> yeah, we awesome. did. We did <laughs> Lagwagon at, at my seventh grade talent show, which is no cool. What'd
0: I- you do like violins? Uh, what was the other one? May. Stoking the neighbors.
1: <laughs> it was the other. It was the other.
0: I know what you're talking. I can't think of the name of it.
1: Uh, May, May 16th.
0: May 16th. Yes, there you go.
1: <laughs> this one.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy because I'm not, like, super young. I'm 34, so I was covering that song <laughs> when I was in seventh grade, which is funny because it dates how old that song is, I guess. Yeah, it's
0: wild. I I'm 36, and I, I remember, like, listening to that song around the same when I was in, like, middle school. <laughs> you
1: know? had to have been on the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 soundtrack.
0: I believe it was.
1: Had to have been.
0: Yeah. I got a lot of my music from skateboard videos.
1: Same, same, man. So (laughs) it was either like... Either in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or it was in skate videos that I had. Like I had all like the 4-1-1, 411s like Yeah, one one VHS tapes. Sure. And I had like the original CKY skate videos mm-hmm. on cassette. You know, so it was like it was, it was like, like before Jackass was even a thing. Yeah, it was, it like was the CKY, CKY videos with Bam Y two K. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Oh. That was when they like threw this the orange soda and the guy in like the the drive through window. That's the one I always yeah. <laughs> remember yeah. him doing.
1: Yeah, I think we would even try because I think, I guess it was probably in Tony Hawk Pro Skater as well. But the that was the big CKY. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, that was like, you know, when you played guitar back then, that was everyone's favorite song to try to learn on guitar. The go to? Which was cool because we got to play Warp Tour in 2017. Uh huh. And CKY was on it. Oh rad! All, yeah, and they were super cool, and we were all too nervous to go talk to them because they were way more tough and badass than we were. So, but we ended <laughs> up they gave us like a bunch of free merch, and I guess one of the days I wasn't on the bus, I was I was off doing something else. But um, my bass player Dave was the only one on the bus, and one day at the Philadelphia show, obviously, right. yeah jess margera who's the drummer for cky he comes on the bus and he goes hey what's up he comes on our bus and he's like hey my parents are here and they're huge fans of you guys or he's like my daughter's here or something like that he's like my family just wants to say hi so they had uh april and phil margera came on the bus and said hi to dave i don't think bam came on but but that's so cool what a huge moment
0: yeah that's
1: huge yeah man
0: That's awesome.
1: (laughs) But anyways, so yeah, um, you know, grew up on stuff like that.
0: Punk rock and talent shows. And then when did you, you said you started doing singer songwriter stuff around ninth grade.
1: That was when I started really playing out. And yeah, like between, you know, like solo performances at coffee shops, like Battle of the Bands in the area, booking, you know, my own shows. uh, Yeah, with my bands. And and that was cool, man. Like touring around them. Like the Midwest scene,
0: was it more of the um, American authors vibe, or it was it? Did you? It was
1: like re- at one band that was kind of like we wanted so yeah. Well, we wanted so hard to be the Strokes at this point. Okay, because now we're getting into like two thousand one. Yeah, uh, like two thousand one was you know domination of the the bands.
0: Yeah, the so, vibes, the yeah, Strokes, <laughs> the, five, the
1: Strokes. Yeah, the all. Vines. <laughs> that was when the Killers came out. around that time maybe a little later actually they were a little later but um yeah so the the bands were big so my band was called the primaries and that's a good name it was pretty good right that is a really good name thank you thank you and the primaries (laughs) were pretty good okay um but we would tour all around and then i also had another band called wasted on envy and as you could probably tell from that name that was a bordering more on the emo side. Sure. No, so, okay. <laughs> I had Waste on Envy. I had the primaries. Oh, keep in mind, the first band back in seventh grade was called No Lifeguard on Duty. Well, also, that's a
0: solid name, too. I like that name. Like that name. Dude,
1: <laughs> that's good. I'm surprised no one's used that. I know it's crazy, right? no life you, like you need to
0: take that as like a
1: that's the dopest ska revival band you've ever heard of <laughs> that really
0: is that's such yeah. a good name
1: best ska revival band out there so um yeah so i just did that throughout high school and got busy um i pushed the school thing so hard to uh to the point where my senior year i just didn't even really take classes anymore and i I got into this internship program where I got to work at a recording studio instead of going to actual school, which was That's cool. huge. Yeah. It was nice, man. So, and that only took up like two days a week, maybe. Yeah. Like two or three days a week. So. So did yeah. you learn
0: how to like record bands there or.
1: Uh, yeah, I was kind of already doing it at my, at my home, my little home studio. I've been doing it for a while, but okay. it was great to like be in that environment. It was a big studio. Sure. You know, it was probably like, oh four oh five now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it's like, I mean, this was a big, fat studio, you know, massive boards and stuff. So it was a lot of information to take in, but it was great to be around it. We did a lot of, um, like, sounds, like the music and the sound effects for movie trailers. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, like, commercial work. Uh-huh. So, but it was great to be around that. And then I only really applied. It was, like, go to college for, because Minnesota's a big college you know like mm-hmm. you go to school like at least where i was if you live in my community it's like you're going to college That was
0: like, <laughs> no questions asked <laughs> there was like
1: no questions asked it's like even if you can't afford college which i couldn't it's like you figure out how to go
0: okay so um so did you so berkeley was that the, the one school that you that was really it. wanted to go to Was that the only one you applied for or the
1: only one i applied to Oh wow! I, I it was I made the decision because it was between I knew I was either gonna do theater or like music, like band stuff. Okay, and I chose band stuff, and I was gonna go to the music school in Minneapolis at the time. There was like a university, I don't think I don't even think it's there anymore actually now, but there was a university out there called McNally Smith, mm-hmm. which was doing some cool stuff that I was gonna go to, and uh, Berkeley was kind of the long shot one. But I applied and I got in, so I figured out a way, I finagled some money mm-hmm. and figured out a way to go. And
0: did you uh, go in as a and for theater or did you go in as a singer?
1: No, I, yeah, just singing. Okay. Like rock, like rock band, singing, rock stuff. I really just went to find a band. I like to find other musicians <laughs> to start a band. That was really the reason. Okay.
0: So, did you get in as did you have to do an audition, like a vocal audition?
1: Um yeah, yeah. You have to audition uh, and you have to you know send all your demos and all your crap and videos and all that stuff and it was cool man i went i went for like one full-time semester i liked it i started going part-time because i couldn't afford Mm full-time um and then met the guys and authors and then we started touring super heavily just like put like putting it together ourselves like we weren't getting like massive tours or anything but like you know, we were all pretty like minded and we started writing music and you know, saved up money to buy a van, saved up money to record an EP, and then we booked our own shows and would just kind of you know, we were in Boston now at this point and mm-hmm. um, just started touring around New England. New England was rad because it was really easy to hit a bunch of different territories really, really quickly. So it's like you can, you're in, uh,
0: yeah, you're in it, kind of a you're
1: like two hours away from you know, all these major cities. Mm-hmm. So we would just, yeah, kind of like Weekend Warrior it. Um, whatever. So, and then, dude, we did that for a long time.
0: Yeah, you guys were the Blue Pages at this point?
1: Yeah, we were the Blue Pages. And, dude, it was seriously just like constant. Um, yeah, like, so I only really did a few semesters at Berkeley and dropped out just to focus on the Blue Pages. And we were playing a lot of shows. Mm -hmm. and um so just between yeah writing recording networking booking shows playing shows going out like our biggest thing that we would do and I think it's uh always important because all of these things are obviously important when you want to do whatever but for us it was so huge for us to book our own tours that was the grind back then you know like the myspace was big but like you didn't have as many platforms to really uh, mingle online. I like,
0: reach out to people. You yeah,
1: couldn't really reach out as well as you can today. So, back then, it really was about getting in a band and touring. So, what we would do, this was our strategy. Okay. Okay. We would go out on MySpace and we would find the bands in the area that were just a little bit bigger than us, right? So, we weren't going for like the Fallout boys who were like massive at the time. Uh-huh. We were going out for like the hometown heroes in new England, like the people that were, you know, they could play like a 300 cap room. Wow. Sure. So then we would hit them up and we would not only try to get on shows of theirs, which is, you know, that's an obvious, but what we would do is we would would reach out to groups like this and we would say, Hey, uh, we'll book you a tour. Okay. We'll book you a full, like two week two like a two week tour and you'll get all the money okay we'll book you a tour with guarantees and you take all the money but you have to let us open
0: and wow and yeah you almost had to like somewhat like tour manage or not tour manage but be like your own booking agency
1: exactly and we would do it because these smaller bands didn't have booking agents you know like they could crush in these like you know they could crush these smaller shows in a market Uh like they didn't really have that stuff and so it's like us and our buddy at the time jared we would put this stuff together and it was huge for us man because that's kind of how it got us like oh whoa the blue pages are are touring with this group and that group and they're doing this stuff so we would put all that together ourselves um how would you
0: how would you get these art like these venues to agree to guarantees. I mean, you guys must've had some yeah. business
1: background as well. Not only it's like big guarantees, you know, but we had a couple friends that were helping us and it was, they were small guarantees. And the whole thing was, we weren't taking any of it. We would just sure. rely on ourselves to be like, okay, cool. Well, once we get to the show, we know we'll be able to hustle our merch, and If we sell X amount of t-shirts, this could be a break even scenario for us. Mm-hmm. So, That was what it was. They weren't high guarantees, but we gave all the guarantee to the bigger band. Got you. Put it all together. And yeah, it was pretty, it was cool, man, because it ended up working out in a way of when you had these bigger artists, you know, these artists would have like small to large record deals, or they would actually have like true management, or they'd be working with bigger people. And then those people would come out to the concerts and see us. So, right. So it, you were able to put so, yourselves
0: in front of in front yeah. of people that could advance the yeah, band.
1: It, right. It was more of like, obviously, it was fun and experience and building a fan base, but it was also networking with all these people that would be more enticed to go out and see the bigger band. Got you. Yeah. And then
0: obviously that worked out. Like, what was the first like yeah. victory there with um, so, the Blue so, Pages?
1: Um, the victory, there were a lot of victories with that because that segued into our New York life. Because once we did a few of those got a few of those under our belt, we did start talking more with like, industry people like guys that and girls and just people in general that were working in labels, like labels, booking agents at management companies who were our age.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: they would meet us from these shows and they'd be like, oh, these guys are cool. They party and like they're just like good dudes. So then they would start inviting us out like, hey, there's this industry event this night. It's in New York though. So then we started taking the Fung Wa bus, which is I think it's, I, I hope it's still around. It's the most rad bus that connects New York to Boston, but you don't have to go to the train station or the bus station. You pick it up on a street corner in Chinatown. And really? Was, yeah. And it was only 15 bucks each way. And you don't have to, you don't have to book in advance or anything. You just show up, get on, give them $15 cash call in a day. And so, you
0: go from where Boston to New York?
1: Yeah. We go from Boston to New York, which is like four hours. So it started turning into the kind of thing where we were going to New York now every weekend, Okay. so that was like the next thing. Okay, we booked these tours. Those were done. Now we're like in with this crowd of these different like lower level execs and all these people that were our age. And they were just now friends of ours. They'd be like, hey, you should come like, you know, gym class heroes is doing an event at this lower east side bar with free booze thursday night you guys should come and it'd be like, okay "Okay, cool feng bus boom spend the night in new york crash on a buddy's floor go back to boston we started doing this pretty much every weekend
0: okay
1: which then got to the point of like oh you know what i think we've outgrown boston we have a lot of things that are bringing us to new york right now i think we should just make the move there we were also working with a buddy of ours um who was recording us and producing us in New York. Mm-hmm. So we were going a lot to work with him. Um, okay. So shout out Christian Mattis. He's still an incredible producer. He does all the Lovely the Band stuff now. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, keep in mind, too, like Mitch and Lovely, they were our peers at the time. So when we were, so we were playing, we were, okay, so Mitch of Lovely the Band, he was just going by Mitchy e. C at the time. Mm-hmm. And the blue pages were Mitchie C's backup band. Wow, really? Yeah. So we all came up. So this was getting into this next chapter in this Brooklyn thing. Like We were meeting all these people there. So it's like we were meeting these people that actually worked in the industry business side. Then we were meeting other bands. So we moved to Brooklyn. Great. And aside from we did play shows, but it was more the networking that I think not only like paid off with great opportunities, but also just, you know, created, you know, forever friendships. I'm Mm -hmm. still super close with all these people that I came up with in New York and Boston. I got Boston friends too, but it's more like the New York people are not only my friends, my everyday friends, but they're my everyday peers. Okay. And yeah. it's
0: is and the, is that what dragged the attention or drew the attention at this point of like Mercury Records and the whole um, American Authors thing happening or
1: not? No, not yet. Okay. We were just like really hitting the scene hard. We were just like out every night, and I think it was just a combination of everything. It was like a combination of like we'd released a ton of music by that point. Yeah, you had a few EPs out, right? Under we had the, a few blue EPs the Blue Pages. Blue Pages. We put up we put a couple tours together ourselves. We've been playing around a lot. We knew a lot of people in the industry now, just as friends. Mm -hmm. So it was like our name was kind of going around. And then, so here's where it all ties back together, is where one of the tours we put together when we were back in Boston was with a band called Down With Webster. Okay. And they were signed to Motown Records. And the head A&R at Motown Records was Shep Goodman. So Shep Goodman then... In New York, he saw us on the Down With Webster tour. And then he, when we moved to New York, he's like, I'm in New York. Let We should meet up. And so then he was kind of just like meeting with us. Maybe we'd be a good fit for Motown. But that didn't really come up. And shortly then Motown folded. So mm-hmm. then Shep was out of a job. So then he went back to producing and writing full time, which was kind of his first gig before he went into Motown. Okay. And Shep was like, hey, you know, I'm back to writing and producing full time. I want you to be the first band that I really develop. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So then we did a production deal with Shep, Shep and his partner, Aaron. Shout out. And we did a production deal with them. And just started writing and working on stuff he was kind of like at some point he was like you know blue pages have been around for a really long time and kind of like everybody in the in the industry kind of knows that name and i think it's kind of like worn out so maybe you guys should change your name so that's where american authors then came in and then- oh
0: so it wasn't like a label it wasn't like a oh the the blue uh, page no. is already a thing it was like you guys no. let's let's it was, just it was revamp
1: the- yeah we had just been in the scene for now a, a while and it was kind of getting to the point where everyone knew us mm-hmm. and it was just like, and not in a bad way by any means, but just in a way of like, Oh yeah. Like when you get a demo that comes across your table, you're like, Oh yeah. The blue pages. Oh yeah. I've been hearing their stuff now for years. Right. So you kind of like, you don't get as excited when it's like, Hey, I have this brand new band you've never heard of. They're called this. It's like, no one cares that it's the same people. Um, right. <laughs> and, the point, and, and you know what? I think there's a lot of merit to that too because um, I love you know, I see so many I, n- I now see it with solo artists doing that too mm-hmm. where like you know like one of my I really like um, that new artist Ty Verdes
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah and uh, I know he was going by a different name for a really long time and then I think it just kind of got you know whatever he needed to change for whatever reason then he just came up with this new name and boom like yeah took off like, yeah like i know like tessa violet did the same thing she was going yeah for another thing that was big on youtube or whatever and then
0: yeah me. she's great i interviewed her for this podcast she's amazing
1: yeah, yeah the, i just found i found her just because lovely did that song with her so oh yeah yeah um but so i think there's a lot of i think there's merit to that mm-hmm. uh, i think there's also another thing to be said about not switching up too much. Cause I have plenty of friends that would go from, they bounce around too much. Like every three months there's an, it's like, okay, three months later, new band name, three months later, new band name, three months later, they're back to the old name. Then three months later, they're doing a whole new style of music. And then it's kind of like, Hey, I will say one thing with American authors or blue pages or whatever. We just, we, we, we stuck to it for a long time. It was a long time. I mean, it was essentially like everything that I kind of just talked about went from like essentially Oh six, Oh seven to 2012. Okay. You know, and it was yeah. like nonstop for those, I guess, six years. Mm-hmm. And then were and,
0: you American authors very long before stuff happened or it was a kind of like when you did the name change, it,
1: was super long. it wasn't okay. super long, but we did like put out uh, two songs that did not sound like what people know American authors as. Now we put out a couple songs, um, as American authors that, you know, they didn't do anything. So.
0: It wasn't uh, until what believer
1: that some yeah, traction happened. But, yeah. That was like the first one. And, and that's fluke, man. It's a fluke. Why do you say that? Cause it is a hundred percent. It was, <laughs> we wanted to be at this point. Now we had now gone from like pop rock to kind of like trying to be like fallout boy that kind of emo Mm -hmm. then now we're pushing into like we want to be coldplay really bad okay okay like epic rock whatever so now we want to be coldplay really bad and things are kind of dying down like we're not we're kind of feeling the six years right so we're not writing every day anymore Mm -hmm. we're playing like once a month in new york we're really only going up to write with Shep and Aaron like once a month. Okay. So it's kind of starting to slow, but no one quits because I think we've always just had too much pride to give up on something. So we're still putting in the work when the time comes up and whatever. So we go up and um, we're writing with Shep one day and uh he we're showing him some songs and he goes you know everything that you guys are showing me it's so sad sounding man it's just so slow and sad can you just like you should just, you just got to write a happy song just write something happy and i'm like all right chef check it out how about this And i just pick up a guitar and i play the riff for believer and that was just like the first thing that came out wow and he goes yo that riff is dope like, you should just sing that for the melody. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And so now I'm just, like, scatting, like, I'm just a believer. And he goes, yo, did you just say I'm a believer? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, yo, that's a dope lyric. Let's keep that. And then from there, we, like, built out the track and wow. uh, which essentially set up the American author's sound. Interesting.
0: Wow. So it was just uh, him just kind of suggesting the – they're like let's make this a little bit more happy
1: it was him haunting it wasn't even let's make whatever you have more happy it was just like yo you guys write too many sad songs write something (laughs) happy for once right (laughs) like the first stupid riff that came out so um and then from there it wasn't even like oh yeah this is the sickest riff ever it was just like hey let's just keep pushing this and let's try something else and let's put this on it and let's do this you know it was just like adding all these little these little elements that were kind of like popping off in the alternative scene at the time
0: because mm-hmm. the
1: because
0: well, believer did well on like you guys got on the radio yeah. and and all of that with 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 that track was that
1: tell yeah, me about great. that
0: experience that must have been cool to, to hear yourself on the air and on all that
1: yes yeah, shep sent it out like once we we have like a demo of it and this is where I think the name change, well, no one would have known the Blue Pages at this point, but the name change was good because American Authors really didn't have anything. So Shep was able to just, um, you know, he hit up his homie at Alt Nation and he's mm-hmm. yo, I'm working with this new band. They're called American Authors. Check out this demo that we just did. And uh, Regan was like, Regan at Alt Nation was like, I love mm-hmm. this. You should finish. It wasn't even finished. There was no bridge. And he's like, you got to finish this because I'm going to start playing it next week. So it was like, cool. So we finished the song, got it mixed in like a day, sent it over. And then he's like, yo, you want, you're going to want to release this because I'm going to start spinning this in like heavy rotation. So we were like, cool, we're going to release it. We need another song. And then Best Day was the next song that we wrote kind of like in a similar way Uh as Believer. And um we released it as like a A B side like the next week. So So the two yeah, two huge I would,
0: songs. I mean, obviously yeah. Best and, Day is so big.
1: Yeah, and Best Day was kind of a similar thing where Shep was like, Hey, this is pretty cool. Let me send it to my friend who does licensing for like TV and commercials. Okay. And um Lynn Grossman, shout out because she got us our very first sync. And it was the Lowe's commercial for Best Day of My Life. And it was like massive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. that's cool.
0: What was it like seeing the commercial, like hearing your song at a commercial?
1: Awesome. And so, yeah, at that point, it was like, oh, man, now we got like this commercial and then Believers on the radio. And it's like, wow, this is really, really cool. And then this was all kind of like coming coming together in like November, December. Uh-huh. So then it was kind of like, all right, guys, everyone's leaving for the holidays. But um, come January, we're going to you know be taking some meetings with labels and whatnot so yeah we got in and yeah signed with uh mercury island whatever you want to call it yeah and yeah
0: it was and cool. Then, and then from there i mean obviously what did you guys what did they do for you right away i mean with the huge song um, air and and a, it was cool. obviously a huge song in a commercial like
1: Dude, it just snowballed from there. It was like cool, pushing believer to alternative radio. We got on, on like our our first actual tour as American Authors with um, Gold Coast and a silent film. Okay. And, yeah, made some lifelong fans. Still have some of our greatest fans from that first tour. And then it just you know kept snowballing, kept going and going and going. The the shift really, because for the first like three tours, two or three tours we were we were playing best day like fourth in the set you know really it was like the end that was like the big closing song because that one was like doing really well at alternative mm-hmm. and then we started to see best days numbers just crush everything else like it was crushing believers numbers and because it just started getting more and more tv commercials like it was getting commercials and placements and movie trailers and all these things and it was just like it was becoming so familiar to people and like sub so like such a subconscious way mm-hmm. uh, that it became something where people started finding the song and buying it and it just like overtook and that's when the label made the shift of like okay pull believer we're going full force ahead with best day
0: yeah and then when it crosses over and i'm from radio i've done radio yep. for 16 years i mean when it crosses over to to you know CHR, it's like a whole different level, right? I mean, when when it leaves alternative and now it's on top 40 radio.
1: Yeah, that was big. That was big, man. It was big. It was a it was an interesting decision. And this might be jumping ahead, but I will always it's one of the things that I'll think about. And I have no I don't really have any regrets. Mm-hmm. Um little regrets, but nothing big, nothing major. So this is not a regret, but one of the things that I'll think about was Best Day crossed over to Hot AC and top 40 mm-hmm. very quickly. Essentially faster than we had time to really build a core fan base. And for for people that don't know, hot AC is a it's essentially top 40.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Essentially same, very similar. And 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 those platforms are great because they have a huge listener base
0: oh yeah they they're the biggest st- oh they're huge Biggest like, stations on in every in every market right. the biggest station right. is the hot ac station
1: right right um and while alternative is much much smaller listener base what alternative is better known for is building a hardcore fan base building a, like a very heavy live fan base so that's why you'll see like uh, that's why you'll see artists like, you know, whatever, like a 21 pilots or Portugal,
0: the man is a, like a
1: Portugal, the man's a gr- Yeah. Even though they did cross over at some point, it's like Portugal, the man has spent years just having songs at like alternative radio or building up that underground following and they can mm-hmm. go out and they can play massive shows.
0: Yeah. But prior to even having prior to know, even the, having yeah. a radio song. Yeah.
1: So you can see that and you can see a certain success come from that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one of the things that I'll think about. We crossed so fast from alternative. It can be hard for us going back to alternative now. Sure. Yeah, like we'll get a little bit of love in the alt world, but it's like, it's not going to be as much a certain artists that live and breathe alternative.
0: Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think like Sybil plan might be a good example of that as well.
1: They, um yeah i could see I, that
0: i mean they did come over they were playing on kiss fm and stuff and i mean to oh, go yeah. back and try to be like oh, oh hey okay, knock so on totally, k-rock store yeah. might be a different story right. so,
1: so i would probably say just i would say another one one that i know for a fact um has a similar vibe is like plain white tees oh that's a great example right so plain white tees just cross so heavily in their heyday and i've talked with them i know them quite well at this point and mm-hmm. it's like they can't, it's hard for them to go back to alternative, even though that's the thing. It's like now with where radio and music has shifted as a rock band, it, it's like, you can really only live. You can really only go into alternative. It's really hard to go into other stuff now because there's, it's, everything's so pop focused now. Sure. You know, so it can be a tricky thing for a rock band to be like, well, I have, this is a rock song. This to me, this is an alternative rock song. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no regret and, and neither one is better than the other I would say but you know just for anyone listening that is is thinking about any sort of branding it was a life lesson that I learned from it of like cool we ditched alternative and that was a decision that we live with now mm-hmm. which is fine and I think if we didn't make that move at the time you know it's like best day would who knows what this who knows what the song would have done
0: right you could have you exactly know? exactly it could have not
1: performed as well as it did and it could have died out and you know it wouldn't have had the success from it sure um, and there's
0: a lot of artists that have probably lived that you know out where it's like for sure they didn't they didn't want to pull the trigger on hot right. ac and then they yeah. kind of dissolved right
1: yeah and so you know but i will always think about that and i'll always tell people when it comes to their own personal branding for whatever they're trying to do, uh, just think about that stuff, you know? So, yeah. and at this point it's like, you know, hot, I see's dope radio is what it is anyways. So it's like, I don't, <laughs> know, I don't even know if any of that matters when it comes to playlisting. So
0: probably not anymore. <laughs> uh, well, tell me about, I mean, after having a huge record right out the gate, was it kind of,
1: it was cool, well, man. I it mean, worked. It never felt that huge. It grew slowly. You know, it wasn't like an overnight. Sure. Hang kind of thing. It like it moved really slow. We worked it for a long time. Like, I think, you know, the song came out in like 2013 and maybe didn't fully hit its comp- like full potential till like 2014, 2015, 2014. Okay. Mid-2014. You know, so it's like the song had now been out for like a year and a half. And like, it was such a slow build that it was really easy to, you know, stay in the moment with everything. There was never this moment of like, boom, overnight. Now it's crazy. Now there's just this chaos going on. And it's like, there was never playing catch up, Mm -hmm. which I'm thankful for. It was a lot. It was just like living it in the moment, seeing the crowds slowly get bigger, you know, seeing my schedule get busier more opportunities come in it was nice sure and with that
0: yeah was it hard to follow i mean having that did you ever think when you had to put the second record out like it's always the you know the sophomore album is it was it like okay do we yeah do we what do we do to yeah to follow this up like was that check
1: it out i'll i'll fill you in on some insider details okay (laughs) this is it's important you know um we did a very Mm, I don't know. Maybe a lot of people do this. I don't know. But uh, so when we went, when we followed the first album, we did it pretty quickly with Go Big or Go Home. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, you know, it was kind of like first album had been out for like maybe not even a year. And then we dropped Go Big or Go Home, essentially first single off the sophomore album. Mm -hmm. And it got some syncs, it got some cool stuff. uh, But we went to radio with it. And it it actually was selling pretty well and it was doing okay at radio, but because it wasn't performing the same way that best day did, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the label and the team only gave it like a few weeks. They really only like worked it for a few weeks and they were like, essentially it was kind of like this thing of like, Oh yeah, you know, we got to number 20 or whatever, or whatever, top 20. But we just don't see the same reaction. So we're going to pull the, we're going to pull the team from this one.
0: Yeah. They wanted like immediate like results.
1: Yeah. Yes. And it was not getting that. Uh-huh. And best day didn't get that either. That was again, it right. worked for a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So because we saw that, I think we kind of thought like, well, dang, uh, it obviously wasn't working. So maybe people don't want that sound anymore, you know, and, you know, looking back on it now, it's like, oh, there could have, there's a million reasons why it, one, it wasn't necessarily not working, it was just taking longer, two, That's fine if it wasn't working. Maybe the song was, the song was, I'll just say right now, the song was not as good as Best Day. It's like, I personally, when I listen back to it, it's like, I wish I could have changed the verse lyrics to give the chorus more meaning. I could go back and pick that song apart. But at Mm -hmm. the time we, we rushed into thinking, oh, people don't want this sound anymore. We need to change our sound. We need to follow up, like what Walk the Moon's doing with, like, the pot, like, super pop polished rock. We got to go into that, Mm -hmm. which was fine. But again, no regrets. I think there's a lot of great songs off the second album, and a lot of the songs got great swings. And actually, like, Born to Run did fairly well. there's there's a lot of
0: big singles off that record it was okay
1: yeah Yeah, it was not bad at all so again no regrets but when i look at it now i think we just needed four more go bigs that maybe had the right lyric or at least a better lyric or something that connected a little bit more Mm -hmm. in that same lane sure And I would say that about the first album too. I would say off the first album, I think we needed three more Best Day in Believers. I think we missed out on, I don't think we had it. I think everyone was so stoked about the two singles just going at the same time on the first album that everyone was just like, sweet, album sounds great, perfect. Right. Like second album was like, okay, cool. We need to keep up with what's going on in pop, Mm -hmm. which again was fine. It served its place. Um, And then I think same thing with the third album, third album going into it. It was like we needed four ish of, of the best day vibe, something in that lane,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: because we went too much like, OK, cool. You know what? First two albums are what, what are what they are now's our time for a rebrand let's go back to alternative tying into kind of what i was talking about where it's like let's go back to alternative this can be that comeback of like whoa that's Mm -hmm. american authors i remember that band wow they got this new cool sound and these songs have so much depth to them right and it's pseudo it's pseudo worked and i think the songs are amazing they're like some of my favorite songs that i've ever been a part of Uh but again you know you need the you need the eminem ray la where every album has two i'm the real slim shadies on it sure you know, ray la <laughs> has every album he's got at least two you are the best thing the best thing ever or whatever you know he's got like two of them and the rest of them are like the slowest saddest songs you've ever heard
0: right right <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um Yeah. I look at all of those as, as great learning experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, because obviously, yeah, I'll be the first one to say, it's like we haven't had anything that's, you know, gotten close to the success of best day yet, but we've had a lot of small victories along the way. And we've had a lot of, you know, a lot of great sync opportunity, a lot of fun collabs, a lot of awesome uh, experiences and opportunities. And um, I think people will not know this about authors as much as we do because we live it. it is like, we didn't, you know, we've never really had a break. We just kept Mm -hmm. going. Like, you know, between we do a ton of private shows. So between the private shows, doing full-time tours every summer, um, you know, then getting back into the studio, never stopping, never stopping the writing process
0: yeah, because you guys put out, you know, microphone and best I can. Those are right out the gate in 2020, too, before.
1: Yeah, people the don't know. Oh, yeah. So people, yeah, people would be like, oh, man, even like Dave, my bass player will always say this. He gets so like, we need to be doing more all the time. And I'm fine with that. But it's like, I got to say to him, like, Dave, I don't think you realize this. We've released like 12 songs as American authors in 2020, which people don't understand because, yeah, we had like the five-song EP that came out. Mm -hmm. Then we did like five-ish cover songs for the remake of the Valley Girl movie. So we have like these five 80s covers that came out. Oh, really? I didn't know that either. Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't know this. And then we had like remixes from the Counting Down EP. And then it's like, (laughs) at that point, you're getting into like, I don't know, like 10 songs. Mm -hmm. So it's like... Dude, even in this time, like, you know, we we've kind of always been releasing stuff, doing shows. Um, I think that's why COVID was. Obviously, it wasn't nice. I don't like having this new virus around, but Uh, for for American authors, it was it was nice to have a forced break for us, because I think if we didn't have the forced break. We would have kept doing things without really taking the time to think and make necessary changes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it would have been quality.
0: Do you feel like nice and easy wouldn't have been what it is if it wasn't for that?
1: It completely would not have been. It would not have been, man. We needed to sit, make changes in this group. Um, you know, we, we went down to a trio. Mm -hmm. So, which has made huge differences. And it gave us time to reflect and then get together as the three of us now. And now we're not on Island Records anymore, which is not a big deal because Island was always very, very cool. There was never any issues of like creative control or anything like that. I'll always say to people, I'll I'll even have fights with my bandmates saying like, guys, Island was dope. They let us do whatever we wanted. They gave us money for music videos. They let us make whatever music videos we wanted. Like they didn't really care. It was was always fine. Uh, The only difference now is you don't have to talk to anyone for approval for like budgets or ideas on when or how you want to release or what you want to, you know, really do, you know, just on like a business level.
0: Right, because now you have total
1: creative control. Yeah, it's like you can write a song this week and release it next week, whatever. Sure. But, you know, so it gave us time to reflect, to sit, take the time. Now it's just the three of us. And for us to go, okay, look, we need to get back to, we d- now we've done this. Now we have three albums and one EP. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really shows a lot of range in those three, which is cool. So now we're at this point where we need to go back to the basics. We need need to sonically go back to what we know works for this brand. And we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to do it in obviously like a new, cool, fun way. We're not just going to rip our old sound, but let's go back to that. Let's go back to this exciting music, up-tempo, fun, feel good summer jams. We're going to keep the heart in there. We're going to keep, you know, we're going to keep the message alive and, and let's do this in our own way. Mm-hmm. And so
0: I feel like was, you hit it out of the park with the, with nice and easy.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm so stoked on it, man. And, uh, and, and we have a, we have like a full album that's really in the same lane as nice and easy. That's amazing. So well, tell me it, about how, how did you it took, time. It took time? We had to th- sit and think about it. It's uh-huh. like, it's thinking and going, okay, cool. What are we doing? What's going to be genuine and what's going to feel right? And what's going to really play to our strengths as far as TV, commercial, private shows, um, festivals? And then after that, then you can think about quote unquote hits.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I feel like you have a hit on your hands already. Maybe. Right?
1: Maybe if it's not, I'm stoked on it. So I think that's what it is at this point. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a great song. song, great video. The video is hilarious. I mean, you have Mark McGrath in the song. I, that's, yeah. tell me about getting him. like,
1: and Everything was just being done ourselves, man. We wrote the song ourselves. We produced the song ourselves. Um, Yeah, when when we were listening to it, and we were like, dude, how cool would it be? Like, uh, we we had this idea that we wanted to get, like, Our heroes on songs and like these people that influenced our lives growing up and influenced us musically growing up. Right. Um, And we know a lot of these people now because we've done like private shows, NASCAR awards, you know, state fairs, like these weird shows that will bring on a ton of different random artists Mm -hmm. and we play with a lot of these people. So we kind of like have more of these relationships with these, I don't know, like with these like old school cats.
0: Yeah, well, you've been doing it for a long time. We've and been doing you've it for su- yeah, a long time. Yeah, and you have success.
1: Right, um, but like we're closer now. Like we have closer connections with these kinds of artists than we do with like I don't know Drake. You know, we've like, <laughs> never gotten close to a show where Drake's on the bill. So it's like <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Right. It like, that'd, be a, that'd
0: be an interesting bill.
1: <laughs> Drake yeah. with opening up with American
0: author.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Clarks County State Fair. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it was like, it's like okay, cool. Um, we have these connections. We're like, yo, let's try to get some legends on. So let's get some people that influenced us. And uh-huh. so this one, we were like, yo, this kind of has like a Sugar Ray vibe. Let's try to get Sugar Ray. So it was just me like, okay, I'm going to make it happen. I'm really going to do this. So I reached out to Sam Hollander, who then put me in touch with Mark, because I knew he, I knew they were buds. And then, yeah sent Mark the song. He responded and he was like, dude, I love this. I want to be a part of it anyway. I had him come over to my home studio. I cut his vocals myself. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Matt put it all together. Drummer Matt. And that was it, dude. And then it was literally like, cause then once we showed that to like our management and stuff, then it was like, yo, this is sick. Let's put this out next in two weeks. And, it, and we could, and then it was like, okay, cool. Let's put it out in two weeks. Okay, cool. I'm going to get my buddies to do the photos. And then I'm going to call my buddy to put together a music video treatment. So that was just like my homie, Chris, he's like a genius, like music video director. He's so good. Oh, it's amazing and, video. And, I, amazing and I'm like, video. Hey, Chris, this is the budget, low budget. I'm like, this is the budget, which is pretty much nothing, but Mark McGrath's going to be in it. What can you put together? And he goes, okay, here's my concept. You do a bunch of stuff to relax and it all goes wrong. That's the concept. He's like, that's what I'll do for that budget. And I'm like, great I trust you and yeah dude we shot the majority of the video at my house in my yard mark came over you know we got my girlfriend Bianca to style it all and she's in the video and then our our other guitar player ZT he's in the video we just like so it was really just getting our friends and our family to come together and to do it all and I think that was the really cool it was a little bit more work than when you're with a label and they kind of just put it all together mm-hmm. but I think it Led just from the, from the music, the production, the feature to the video. I think it led for a much more genuine product.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's fun. It's a fun, feel-good video. The song, it's perfect for the song. It's definitely like a. It has the summery vibe. It's like it's it's all work. It's like it's perfect for what's happening, you know, right now. People need. And
1: honestly, and and for me, it feels really good. The whole thing it just feels good and genuine and i'm stoked on it and so look i think the song will do what it needs to do um you know in these days it, yeah, i know it's kind of cliche but you could say like what is a hit single cuz you got some wacky things that i know i personally would never think were going to be the biggest hit in the world right like <laughs> but it's like it's insane it's like wow this came out of nowhere i'd uh-huh. love to see that um so you just don't know, you can't call it anymore. So I think with this, it's a genuine enough product where I think it'll do what I at least want it to do. And I'm stoked.
0: Yeah, man, I think it's a fantastic song the video is amazing. I Thanks. love the end with the the golf scene. The the um oh, good. the the happy Gilmore
1: <laughs> swing at the end. Oh, that's yeah, man. so good. <laughs> I know, so dude. Good. And all that's just like again, it's so DIY like that was just Because we were talking about the golf scene, like, oh, but it's going to be weird, like, going onto a course and, like, filming on a course and whatever with no permits. So we just went to the park across the street. Really? Yeah. It was like, I I was like, actually, I had this huge park. It's actually a cricket field. So that part of the park is a massive cricket field. So it's just huge green with the trees. And it was like, dude, let's just play golf there. It's big enough. You know, it's all enclosed. And then even the water, there's like behind the trees and there's a lake. And then so we could just. Oh, like, that's how you got the scenery hits in the water. Exactly. So he hits. He really hits it in this park because the park's big enough. Then we okay. just went to the lake, which is a few steps away. And you just throw the ball in. OK. Wow. It actually looks like a golf course.
0: It did. I I it looks, I'm shocked that it's not.
1: Yeah. But that was like, dude, that's that DIY, man. No permits, no nothing. Just going out.
0: I love it. I love it. And do, <laughs> do you guys have more? Did you record more songs over the course of this, the quarantine? And yeah. are they yeah, all kind of in a similar way. vein? Do you have a new record on the way?
1: Um, you know, it's 2021, so not necessarily a new album yet. But we have enough songs for an album, for sure. Cool. We got enough songs for a full album. We got some banging more uh, collabs coming which Amazing. I'm really excited about. They should be out in the next handful of months. Um, yeah, I did a solo album at the beginning of quarantine, which was really fun. So what was that
0: like, putting out a... Yeah, like, was it... I didn't
1: put anything out yet. I oh, just, you,
0: put, yeah, you, put, you put it all together.
1: Put it together, because at the beginning of quarantine, I was kind of, like, done with authors, honestly. Like, I was just kind of like, you know what? I, wanna, I need a break from this. I got to chill. So I think I'm going to take this time and work on this album. Do something you know, just by myself.
0: Is it totally different than what you're doing with authors?
1: Pretty similar.
0: Oh, it's similar. similar.
1: It's like a little more like laid back beachy vibes, like a little more, you know, in that vein, kind of like a little more like, it's a little more like the Tai Verde surfaces world. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's
0: amazing. And do you have a plan for putting
1: it out at some point? Oh, whenever this author stuff cools down. Okay. That'll be it. Yeah, at this point, because at that point when I was doing it, there was really authors was just nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, cool, this will be my time to like do this until we all feel really good about getting back together and doing new shit. And then we made the changes that needed to happen. And it all happened so quickly that then the three of us came together and was like, just clicked. And it was like, Mm -hmm. wow, we're like on a whole new level right now. Let's just do this. And then we started getting these features. Like we started getting these collabs that were like being like, Oh, this actually could have a lot of potential to like, you know, turn some heads a little bit. So. I love it. I can't yeah. wait
0: to hear the, I can't wait to hear the new stuff because I love the the song with Mark McGrath. I think it's great. And the Thanks. videos are all similar
1: together. because we're, we're producing everything ourselves right now. That's awesome. Uh, which That's I think cool. has a lot to do with, you know, with kind of like a, you know, everything being cohesive right now.
0: Sure. What about live shows? Do you guys have anything planned?
1: Yeah, we got a bunch coming up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just like some festivals and radio shows and different dates starting in August.
0: Exciting. Are you guys yeah. excited yeah. to get to play in front of people? Oh, Maybe wait. it's been a while.
1: <laughs> wait. It's it's kind of hitting at the right time. where So our drummer Matt just had a baby like a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. yeah congratulations yeah. to him. First baby. incredible. Thank
1: you first Whoa, baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> So it's good because he can now take the next couple months or like, you know, basically like July to kind of chill and figure out how to be a father. Sure. Obviously important. And then, yeah, like really beginning of August, we're going to have to start rehearsing because we got a bunch of shows and we're going to start kind of like going out there and hitting stuff.
0: That's incredible. Yeah, man. I love it.
1: I can't wait. I I hope, you know, I hope the Delta variant doesn't, take us all out and <laughs> we don't have to cancel any more shows.
0: Sure, sure. Well, Zach man, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. You've been course, awesome. No
1: problem, man. Thank you for having me.
0: I do have one more question for you. Yeah. I know you've been kind of answering this throughout the whole whole course of this conversation, but do you have any advice for aspiring artists?
1: Yes. Keep working. You got to work hard, man. You got to put in the work. Uh that's my main thing that I that I tell people. New artists that I'm working with, friends, anyone, I say you gotta put in the work. Because if you don't wanna put in the work, there's someone else out there who does. So it's like you gotta stay on the grind no matter what that is. You gotta, it's everything. You gotta stay up on your social media. You gotta play the shows. You gotta write songs. And then the writing songs goes into the next thing. You gotta be down to collab and try new things. It's not only the idea of keep writing. But it's keep writing in different ways and be open to working with new people who are going to test you and who are going to push you to try new things. Because straight up, if, if we were not in the room with Shep that day and he didn't push us to try something completely unheard of for our band especially, we never would have come up with our sound. It was that one day that changed it all. We had a thousand songs that we were writing and none of them mattered because we ended up just coming up with that one in the moment, that this person pushed us to do. So I think that's so important. You know, when people say to me, they'll go, no, 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 I don't need to try that because I know. I know what my sound is. I don't need to try that. I don't need to do that. It's like, dude, if you're Drake, you might not need to, but it's like, other than that, you don't know. I don't know what my sound is tomorrow. It's like, cool, nice and easy is out today, but it's like, I could write something tomorrow that fully changes just 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 changes everything